The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Luke. At the end of eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And the word of our Lord from the Gospel of Matthew. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, or magi, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them when the Christ, or where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Now when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, 
Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in, in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warmed in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went. And lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Father, we thank you for your holy word. And we thank you that this day where we mark a new year on our calendars, that we are able to gather around your word, to read it together, to hear from you together, to encourage one another together, to sing your praises together to lift up our prayers to you together. We thank you for calling us together to be your own. And we thank you for giving us your word. We pray that you would help us to be formed after the image of Christ as we take seriously your word in this coming year. And we pray all this in his holy name. Amen. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul, when he's preaching or speaking in the Areopagus in Athens, speaking to the men of Athens, that he says something very peculiar about God. He says that the true and living God who has revealed himself in his incarnate son Jesus is actually not far from any one of us. But he goes on to say that this God, the one true and living God desires, quote, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. He's not far from any one of us. He goes on to say, for in him we live and move and have our being. Today, I want to think about with you the, the command of Scripture, the urging of Scripture, the desire of God who has revealed Himself in the Scriptures to not miss Him. Don't miss Him. We're at the beginning of a new year. 
we're making resolutions, we are planning for things that are to come, we're reflecting back on the year before us, we're right at that, that, that cusp, we're still in the Christmas season. And I want to urge you, don't miss him. As I urge you not to miss him, I do want to just enumerate a few very brief ways in which we can make it a point not to miss him. Number one, by searching the scriptures. If we're going to not miss the Lord Jesus, we are going to have to take seriously the book that he has given to us, the book in which he has revealed himself to us. Um, I'm not always one to make it a point to read through the whole Bible in a year, but this past year I did do that. And, um, and let me be candid with you. There were whole stretches of time where I was not actually physically sitting reading my Bible, but instead was listening to it. Um, and I actually found that to be quite helpful to hear the scriptures. And I, I share that to say a couple of things. Number one, throughout the year, the time that I spent in the word, it was that time that sustained me throughout the year. It was that time that shaped my way of thinking throughout the year, that undergirded me throughout the year. And it was that time that the Lord took to form the image of Christ in me, something that cannot happen if we are not people of the book, something that cannot happen. You cannot become like Jesus if you're not engaging with his word to you, if you're not searching the scriptures to find him, to find what he's like, to find his heartbeat, then his image will never be formed in you, which is to say you will never become more like Jesus, which is the will of the Father for you. In fact, just kind of looking ahead in the church's year, it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who forms the image of Christ in us that Jesus calls, and all of his disciples knew exactly what he meant, the promise of the Father. So in a very real way, during this Christmas season, we can emphasize the fact that Jesus came not to get you out of hell, not to get you into heaven, but instead to get the spirit of heaven into you and get the hell out of you. That is not to say that there's not a heaven to gain or a hell to shun at the end of our days, but that is to say that the promise of the Father is not about you sprouting wings one, one day, which you will not, and you sitting on a cloud playing a harp one day, which you may or may not do. I don't know. It probably depends on if you're musically inclined and if you can fly. Um, but the promise of the Father is about the indwelling presence of God in you, making you more like Jesus. And becoming more like Jesus will not happen if you are not a student of the Word. We have got to be about searching the Scriptures. Familiarity with the book creates in us familiarity with the author of the book. 
And the thing is, is you and I have no excuse if we do not read our Bibles. Just on the drive over here, Lindsay and I were talking about it. You can ask her what in the world we were talking about. But I invoked the Gutenberg Press. Post-1450, we have no excuse. You and I have in our possession, in our hands, on our cell phones, on our laptops, probably covering a shelf in our homes, countless possibilities, countless opportunities to read the Word of God or have it read to us. I can, in this moment, pull my phone out of my pocket and listen to Mr. Max McLean read it to me. I can choose any number of like 30 different English translations. If I knew Mandarin Chinese, I could have it played to me in Mandarin, or I could read it in Mandarin. If I had polished up on my Kone Greek post-seminary, I could even read the Greek New Testament on my cell phone or have it read to me. And so we have no excuse. We have no excuse. Just so you know, how do you read the Bible in a year? You read basically three chapters a day, and you'll do it. You know how long it takes you to read three chapters a day? About 15 minutes. That's it. Some days it'll be slightly longer. Some days it'll be slightly quicker. But about 15 minutes a day, and you could read the entire scriptures this year. We have no excuse. Think about before the Gutenberg Press, what it was like to be a student of the Bible. It, it basically was reduced just to Sunday mornings. Now, you know me. I'm a big believer in Sunday, Sunday worship. I think it's virtually impossible to draw near to Jesus without drawing near to his family. But back before the printing press... If you wanted to hear the Bible, you had to go to church to do it. We have no excuse. We can watch it and listen to it animated on the internet if we want. If, if we are to become like Jesus, we are going to have to learn how to live lives that are being shaped by the gospel of Jesus. And that only happens as we search the scriptures. So how do we not miss Jesus? First, by searching the scriptures. Think about what, think, think about the fact that the Magi show up in Jerusalem after the birth of Jesus. Who were these people? Magi, it's where we get the word magician. Some translations translate it wise men. We sing about we three kings of Orient. We know that they were from the east. We don't know whether they were the far east, the near east, or what. It seems, based on like the origins of the word magi, that they probably came from somewhere in Persia or maybe even Babylon. And they saw a star, which is completely astonishing, that they see this star and nobody else is moved by it. Now, we don't know how many there are. Is this only three people? We don't know. We say three kings because you got the three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But it could have been a dozen. It could have been two. We don't know. We know there were plural, magi, not, mag, not magos, which would have been a single. We don't know how many. We don't know where from. But we do know these are not Hebrew people. These are not people who grew up with their Torah being taught to them from a young age. 
These are outsiders. But they were students enough to Scripture to know that they, when they saw this star, that Yahweh spoke to their hearts and said, this is it. This is what the whole world has been waiting for. Get to Jerusalem. Get to where my people are. They were so familiar with the Scriptures that they knew about that little hidden passage in Numbers that Imogene read for us earlier. I see a star. Wait, what? There's one coming. We've seen his star. How do we make it a point to not miss him? By searching the Scriptures and by looking for him. You and me, in our own lives, we have got to make it a point to look for Jesus. We've got to be willing to do something. We've got to be willing to move. We've got to be willing to respond to His grace. He's there. As the Apostle Paul said, He's not far from any one of us. He just wants us to reach out and grasp for Him, to grope for Him, so that He could be found. And looking starts with longing. You look for those things that you want. You look for those things that you actually intend to find. You don't look for something you're not intending to find. The Magi went to Jerusalem because they knew there was something to be found there. They knew this star was directing them to something, specifically to someone. We're in search of he who has been born the king of the Jews. We saw his star and we've come to worship him. Worship really is about the direction of our hearts. The direction of our gaze. Those things that we worship are those things that we diligently seek out, those things that we look for. And you might be surprised about Jesus, where you'll find Him. He tells us that we'll find Him in the least of these. What you did for the imprisoned, what you did for the homeless, what you did for the hungry and for the poor, what you did for the lonely, what you did for the sick, you did to me. To me. Not for me, not in my name. You did that to me. That's where you'll find me. Because that's where Jesus is always found. He is always found among those who are hurting. He is always found in the stable, at the forgotten places. He is always found on a cross between thieves. If we're going to make it a point to not miss Him, we'll have to be looking for Him. And I'm telling you, you are surrounded by people who think they are going to find Jesus and they have zero desire to look for Him. They have zero desire to search the Scriptures. They have zero desire to be among His people. They think that they're finding Jesus. They're not missing Jesus. Is something that happens just kind of in the inner recesses of their hearts and it's divorced from any relationship with others. Searching the Scriptures, longing for Him. 
And thirdly, how do we make it a point to not miss Jesus? By waiting in faithfulness. By waiting in faithfulness. Faithfulness and waiting in it are all about the promises of God. They're all about the promises that He has made to us. And we find those who are waiting for Him. Yes, they're looking. Yes, they're searching the Scriptures. But we read about people like Simeon, Anna. I think it's funny. Anna is given the title prophetess. Simeon is just some dude. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. We read nothing about him being a priest. We read nothing about him being a scribe. He's not, you know, some deputy chief of staff or whatever for Herod the Great. He's just some man in Jerusalem. But he is devout and he is upright. And he is searching for God. He is looking for Him. And he is waiting in faithfulness. The same thing with Anna. It's interesting what it tells us about her virginity and then her marriage and then her loneliness beyond it. It's underscoring her character. She is a faithful person. She is an obedient person. She is a person who, like Simeon, has completely entrusted herself, heart, body, soul, strength, everything about who she is, she is entrusted to Him. The Magi were waiting in faithfulness. They were looking. They were longing. They were searching the Scriptures. And they were willing to move when the Lord said move. And when they didn't know what to do, what did they do? They simply asked questions about this one. Where is he? Where is he supposed to be born? We've searched enough, but we've, we've kind of lost our, our, our next steps. Oh, Bethlehem, great, we're going. And the star starts moving again, and they follow. They're being faithful. Notice their waiting is an active waiting, just as Simeon's, just as Anna's. Waiting didn't mean just staying at home, passing time. For Simeon, for Anna, it meant going to the temple. Then it meant going and telling others. For the Magi, it meant searching and then being willing to move. There is a way to wait well. And as we step into a new calendar, calendar year together, we step in trusting the Lord to make good on His promises to us, trusting in Him to provide, to protect, to meet our needs, to watch over our lives. And we do that faithfully. We do that in faithfulness. But here's the thing. If we're going to not miss Jesus... We must bear in mind that sacrifice is key to being near to Jesus. Simeon and Anna go to the temple and they are met with 
the Holy Family, Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. For what purpose? Joseph and Mary have taken him to the temple for his dedication. Which is to say, for a sacrifice. And it's interesting that the text tells us that they're being obedient to the scriptures of the Old Testament and they're offering two pigeons or turtle doves, which was the prescription for a poor family when they had a baby. A wealthier family was required to offer a lamb, but a poor family was able to give a couple of pigeons, a couple of turtle doves. It's even the poor who are expected to sacrifice for the Lord. All of us, rich or poor. The Magi, they were people of means. The shepherds, not so much. Simeon and Anna, we don't know anything about them. But we do know that Mary and Joseph were people who did not have a lot of means. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. What about those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? That seems to have been some time later. Possibly days, possibly weeks, possibly even up to a couple of years. But not too long after. But their dedication of Jesus comes at the 40th day after His birth. You have eight days for a male child who is then circumcised, and then you have 33 more days. You put those two together, you've got your 40 days. It's then that the sacrifice is given. The Magi have not come yet. They've not brought those costly gifts. It is probably those gifts that will actually sustain the Holy Family while they're sojourning in Egypt, a foreign place, a place they're not accustomed to living. You see sacrifice in the lives of Simeon and Anna. Their whole lives have been about sacrifice. We're told that Simeon spends night and day in the temple. He's always at God's house. Sacrifice is key to being near to Jesus. And of course the Magi, their willingness to pack their bags and travel. If they're coming from Babylon, it would have taken them at least, at least 40 days if not longer to make it there, traveling 20 miles a day. They'd have been moving pretty heavily. Weeks of travel, possibly months of travel to get to the Christ child. And notice what they say to Herod and his people. We have come to worship him. We have come bearing gifts to give to him. We have come to adore him. We have come to praise him. We have come to offer that sacrifice of praise. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. Interestingly enough, the only person in the gospel to get so close to Jesus but refuse to sacrifice seems to be Judas. Right there, that close, but will not sacrifice. The world demands that sacrifice is dehumanizing. That it should be beneath you to sacrifice. To sacrifice yourself, to sacrifice your dreams, to sacrifice your longings, to sacrifice the desires of your flesh. 
That should be beneath you because it's dehumanizing. That to go the way of sacrifice is to abandon your opportunity to realize yourself. Don't listen to the world. The world has always followed the wisdom of the serpent. Take. Take what's yours. It belongs to you. The serpent's head, though, will be crushed. You know, Jesus has a way of disrupting life. He disrupted all of life for the people living in Jerusalem. For those living in the outskirts of Jerusalem, down in Bethlehem, just a few miles south of Jerusalem. The whole city's in an uproar. Here are these magi coming, saying they're seeking a king. What are you talking about? We've got Herod as king. Don't rock the boat. This is going to create trouble for us. Herod's life is certainly being disrupted. A man filled with paranoia and envy and strife, rage. Jesus has a way of disrupting life. Let him. Don't miss him. Because it's interesting the people right around his birth that do end up missing Jesus. Who end up missing the Christ child. Soren Kierkegaard wrote a little bit about them. He said, Although the scribes could explain where the Messiah should be born, they remained quite unperturbed in Jerusalem. They did not accompany the wise men to seek him. Similarly, we may be able to explain every article of our faith, yet remain spiritually motionless. The power that moved heaven and earth leaves us completely unmoved. What a contrast. The three kings had only a rumor to go by, but it spurred them to set out on a long, hard journey. The scribes, meanwhile, were much better informed, much better versed. They had sat and studied the scriptures for years, like so many dons, but it didn't make any difference. Who had the more truth? Those who followed a rumor or those who remained sitting satisfied with all their knowledge? Those who did not miss Jesus were the likes of some shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, who are crazy enough to believe the message of an angel. A guy named Simeon and a prophetess named Anna and some magi coming from Babylon. Herod missed Jesus. The scribes even missed Jesus. We read nothing about the priests at Jesus' birth and how they responded to the Christ child. Don't miss him. It is possible to be so close you could feel him and still miss him.
don't miss him. You know where to find him. But it's not just in searching the scriptures, but it begins there. It's not just in gathering together as the church to worship him, but it begins there. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. Father, we pray that you would help us to seek you, to search for you, to long for you, to look for you. We pray that you would help us in the daily lives that we live to seek after your son Jesus, for his image to be realized in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we pray that as we begin this this new calendar year, that you would help us to search for him. Holy Spirit, would you bring the presence of Christ into our hearts and would you transform our lives by his presence, making us more like him. We pray this in his name. Amen.